Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Murphy, and this is the Other Life Podcast, where I talk with indie creators, digital hustlers, and unique internet personalities about how to escape from institutional conformity and succeed on the internet instead. To learn more about the Other Life Project, go to otherlife.co. That's otherlife.co. And if you like what I'm doing, I just have one quick favor to ask. Please go and just leave a review in iTunes. It really helps others find the show, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and a big shout out, especially to my patrons. I could not do this without you all. So thanks. And now, on to the show. All right. All right. Welcome. Other Life Podcast, baby. Welcome, all of you quirked up shoddies and BPD art chicks and uh, art, re- Republican art fag socialists. All are welcome. All are welcome. Other Life Podcast, the best podcast on the internet. I'm here with my buddy Barrett Abner from the Contain Podcast. My buddy Barrett here, who I met in LA about a, uh, one year ago. I've 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 managed to convince him to come to Austin. Well, actually, he was he was going to do it on his own. We kind of you know compared notes and both decided, fuck it, let's go to Austin. And uh, Barrett just arrived a couple days ago, and uh, we got my boy Ben also off camera helping me with the technical assistance. Thanks, Ben. Uh, ben and Barrett are both here in Austin, and I I connected them so they they're they're sharing a house together. So. We're building the crew. We're, we're building the whole crew in Austin. It's pretty dope. And uh, yeah, just, this is our first time having them over my place on on the Other Life podcast. And actually, this is the first time you're you're doing my podcast ever, right? You haven't I, been on I it. Did, I did one with Alex and Wang Young. Oh, that's right. We did do that, that in LA. In yeah, LA. But, but that was almost like a, that was like an auxiliary, weird, late night, drunken excursion. So it was uh, it was interesting, though. It was good. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. So if you're here for the first time, uh, please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. And folks, you have to click the little bell after you subscribe. That's going to make sure you get notifications whenever I go live. And look, I built this badass in-home studio. I'm going to be doing more, a lot more cool live streams. So do subscribe real quick before you forget and click the bell. And uh, yeah, I also want you to go check out Barrett's podcast. It's called The Contain Podcast. We put some links in the show notes. So go check out Barrett's stuff. Uh, it's quite interesting. Barrett's, if you think other life is kind of weird and uh, surreal, uh, you're going to, if you're into that aspect of the other life podcast, then you should definitely go check out Barrett's podcast because it basically takes, it, 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 if you think other life is kind of surreal and weird, it, it takes that aspect and goes full throttle with it much more than I do. So yeah, if you're into that aspect of other life, you'll definitely like the contain podcast. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Let's uh, get right into it then, shall we? So what do you think so far? You've been in, uh, you've been in Texas for what, a few days? Yeah, I got here three days ago. So I mean, as soon as I got here, it, it it just it felt it felt pretty good to me, honestly. I, it felt like I was like, oh yeah, this is this is probably a good move. Um, what do I think about it? I mean, it's it's so hard to tell because when you're driving in, you see like the tree lines, and it's there's all these like gnarled, grizzled trees, and I I, I get a lot of inspiration from like decrepit uh, canopy. So that that was a positive note. But then you see like the skyscrapers, like oh, this looks like any other shitty like major city but come to find out it's actually great here so i i love because you were not happy in la you were particularly uh, kind of hating it right yeah i mean it, it was pretty draconian how would whole. you how would you summarize the the situation in la oh uh, i would i mean it, it was kind of like uh you know it was like a 
John Carpenter movie or something like that. It was really like it, it felt like Escape from L.A. with like Snake <laughs> Plissken and like I really it, it, and obviously that's like kind of like a pussy over exaggeration of the situ of the whole thing. But there is a sort of like oppressive micro fascism that just kind of it's like poor management of things. It's really sort of restrictive culturally. And I liked it before the whole coronavirus thing, because that's where we did the event. And I was I was having a good time. But there's always this. I always knew that it was sort of it was on the precipice. It just was like one recession or one any sort of like, you know, hitch would just like completely destroy that place. And now it's like uninhabitable. And you can't even find you'd think that that would bring cost of living down and it hasn't at all so you once described yourself as you said to me that you're a republican art fag socialist <laughs> and i think about that all the time thinking to myself what the fuck does that mean and that was going to be the first question i wanted to ask you is please explain to me and my audience what that means um you know it, it, i think you know i came up with that term before people had been sort of like throwing around this word post left and post left is basically, I would say like, a, uh, it's kind of like, I think, I think most people know what it is now because they think of like Amy Therese or red scare or like any of these people. But to me, it was like, it, I could see the writing on the wall that like, eventually you would find the left be drifting more towards this kind of like, as you, as, um, you could say the other side got more entrenched in kind of like technocratic uh, modalities and things just looked very corporatized. It's like people would aesthetically relate to that. It, the framing would just be off for like a certain constituency of like cool, cultured, interesting people. And that they would eventually join the other side. And it's funny because it's like anytime Dasha or somebody does something, it's like they post like a uh, groiper. And I tweeted out something like um, one day you'll see uh, people wearing Balenciaga with groipers on it. You know, like there's just like, there's a, there's a, there's a big <laughs> cultural lag. And I, I thought eventually you would start to see like people who are leftist posting like Trump gifts. And now you start to see it all the time. And I think that there's sort of like an aesthetic realignment because in, in many ways, the sort of like technocratic people like the Jeff Bezos, like they, they're not cool people. Like they, they, you know, like he said, he was like Lizzo's number one fan. He's not like watching <laughs> Like these aren't people who watch like interesting movies or engage in like interesting theory. Now the think tanks, on the other hand, I have a theory that like a lot of these kind of like centrist think tanks on both whatever Republican, Democrat, they do have some sort of like knowledge of Leo Strauss. Like I really do. I've, I've done some research into that. They definitely. OK. The, the, but obviously, like Nancy Pelosi or Jeb Bush, like they don't know. They don't fucking know who that is, <laughs> you know, so. Interesting. So Republican art fag socialism is. <laughs> from all of that well that, that, that's the background that's the setup that, that's that's kind of the background but i posted it's so weird because it, it was just something i posted and i was like a friend of mine and she's like a, she's like a girl she's an you would say an art thought <laughs> <laughs> not to be <laughs> but she 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 liked the term too so she's like why don't you just post that of a picture of us and and so i did and people really liked it 
And, and like all these people were like, what is this thing? And you know, you remind, you're the first person to remind me of that because I completely forgot that that was like a thing that, I, cause I had set out to do something like that here because, um, uh, you know, one of the things I like about Texas is, you know, the, the, the unrestrictive gun laws. That's an, that's another thing. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I can finally buy stuff. I couldn't buy other places like legally. And uh, so when I hear Republican art fag socialism, to me, it suggests, <laughs> well, Republican meaning basically just kind of conservative art fag, meaning, you know, you're kind of like hip and like kind of stylish in a way, but it kind of in the more, like not like the alpha male kind of way, but more the, you know, like uh chill dandy dandy. That's right. Good word. Good word. Yeah. So, so it's like basically conservative kind of hipster dandy. And then this and that, but also socialist, like you're interested in, you know, community and more egalitarian yeah. uh, kind, kind of politics in a way, just not the woke shit. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. it's basically like culturally conservative, kind of like Oscar Wilde dandy esque, um, but, but like social socialism. But, but yeah, but cu culturally conservative is so nebulous because the, there's a whole thing about like, well, what 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 like what's more Lindy? And you can you can trace these things all the way back. And it's like. To, to me, Bataille, you know, I actually was reading this text that was like talking about Bataille and Jacques Lacan as like sort of like re like revolutionary conservatives sort of in the same vein as Ernst Jünger and uh, Ernst von Solomon and people like that. And it was really weird because I always saw I was always like, why are why is Bataille and why why were Bataille and Mishima close friends? And to me, it makes plenty of sense. And they called something like, uh, and as you kind of coined the term reactionary leftist for Deleuze. And I, I, I see the same thing. It's like, you know, there's this whole meme that's like shows like Karl Marx versus like Ronald Reagan. Right. And it's like Carl, like Ronald Reagan, like total like expansion of like the neoliberal uh what you it's not even a system neoliberalism but it's also like anti-gun you know speech restriction Karl Marx I mean if you're looking at diet if you if you want to if you care about the dialectic in any way well you need to be anti-censorship and you need something to safeguard censorship as well so he would you could almost say that like Marx was a somewhat a first and a second amendment absolutist he was a straight up reactionary in many oh, ways. Yeah. yeah, we were talking yeah, about yeah, this the other yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. So, I, in my opinion, I think that there's a sort of like political aesthetic realignment that's that's taking place, but it, it, it it's almost like crushed because politics is like no one's even paying attention right now. Like CNN, I think their ratings are down forty four percent since Trump left office, and I mean to me, like I just see all this as like funny. You yeah, know? like to me, it's not like. Obviously, I don't I don't want to be like a nihilist and say that like politics don't have actual material and spiritual and metaphysical ramifications because they're huge. Like I don't want to I'm not like Compot, for, for example, who just reflexively says none of this exists. None of this matters. Like it, it, it clearly does matter. And, and so, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I, I'm with. Yeah, you. yeah, I hear that. So. Ben, do you want to grab the pillow that Barrett brought? I still want to, don't understand why he brought a pillow. It, it's in the dryer. I want to hear the story of, of the pillow. I'm going to get in trouble. Okay. If you got I, it, I might get put on the no fly list for owning this pillow because the guy he was a crackhead to CEO. All right, yeah. So what is this pillow? It's a my pillow. 
but but I wanted to try it out. And it's the 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 CEO was a was a kind of like a big uh, Trump supporter, but he was also Can an I feel ex, an ex crackhead. And you have to activate. Is there it. something special about this type? Is it like a special design? It feels like it's filled with like packing peanuts or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like is that, that how it's well, supposed why, to feel? Yeah, it's like activated by air. All right. So this guy, this guy used to be a crackhead, and yeah, they made a pillow company. Yeah. <laughs> so and, why did he make a pillow company? Like where? I, you, did, you know, he. I think he owned a bar in a small town in Minnesota, and he was a crackhead, and he got sober, and now he runs all these recoveries. But David Hogg. The sort of like anti-gun activist from the Parkland shooting, yeah. whose dad's like CIA agent. Yeah, you know, coincidentally, not to get now. I'm getting like Alex Jones. No, it's okay. I'm kind of I'm kind of friends with Kyle Kashiv, the like conservative kid from the Parkland shooting. Oh, he and wow. I are we DM. We're like friendly. I don't That's know why crazy. exactly, but um, wow. yeah, yeah. He's he's like basically the 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 arch nemesis of David Hogg. They're kind of oh, like okay. they're like left and right wing versions of each yeah. other. In any event. So the guy, okay, this guy was used to be a crackhead, then made a pillow company. Why was he recently in the headlines? Uh, because he was a Trump supporter and they stopped uh, stocking his pillows places. Because, I mean, it's not about Trump because Trump's over. Like, whatever. That's not the point. The point is, like, I think a lot of people had this idea that things would get less censorous if he was gone. Because people were just like, oh, God, I just want him out of here. So like this like constant thing goes away. But it's like, no, 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 they're just going to ramp this thing up and things are going to get a lot less fun for a lot of people. So you have to find interesting, cryptic ways to sort of, I guess you would say, like subvert the or just like fly under the radar because now they're, you know, they're going through podcasts and looking for disinformation. Right. Now. It's funny to me that the guy who owns this pillow company and probably the pillow company is probably doing really well right now because oh, they're yeah, in the yeah. news. But it's very funny to me how there's this weird thing going on right now where the craziest people are kind of doing the best in certain oh, totally. ways. Totally. Like yeah, I was yeah. actually just at a party last night and this kid I was talking to, he had a great line, which he said spontaneously. He said something like, he's like, dude, over the next several years, the more retarded you are, the richer you're going to become. And <laughs> it, it, it actually kind of makes sense. Like if yeah. you look at like the GameStop stuff. Yeah. And, and also just if you think about Bitcoin and crypto more generally, like yeah. Yeah. the people who got the richest so far off of crypto are like the sketchiest people who like 10 years ago were like just selling drugs and guns and shit like yeah, that. It's like, yeah, it's, like yeah. it's almost like the sketchier and weirder and more fucked up and retarded you are, yeah. the more you're going to thrive in the near future, no, the way the world is going. No, it's a hundred. Like this guy yeah. was a crackhead, like now probably has this like fire pillow company. Like yeah. everyone loves, it's going to, it's going to be like this. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's his book. That, I, yeah. You can yeah. do, so you can it's, do a, it's called, it's uh, from crackhead to, to CEO. To, uh, down there. No, yeah, but, there. but to me, I think that's great. You know, it's kind of like in Pasolini. Yeah, movies. dude, it's boon, it's boon times for retards. That's no, it is. News. No, it really is. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I'm shocked. I, you know, I started this whole project of mine, you know, because it's not really a podcast because like I make music for it and I like do music stuff and we've done it live. When I was doing live events, it was partially, oh, I see. They're, they're like, oh, that's a Japanese. Uh, I mean, uh, that's Spanish. Oh, I can't read. That's hilarious. Oh, he wrote a book, that guy? Oh, yeah. He wrote What Are the Odds from Crack Addict to See uh, Fire. I will totally watch that. It's a, it's a book, so you'd have to read it. But I but I see him as uh, interesting. 
and you know, the girl, her grandparents have a life-size cutout of him, apparently. Really? So he's like well-known in certain circles and admired, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the kind Dude, of he'd probably come on who, the podcast, I bet. He, I, didn't he get kicked off Fox News? Like that was the recent thing that happened, right? They, they brought him on Fox News or some news site. And then they basically asked him a question about what happened. And then he started talking about how the election was rigged. Yeah. And then they cut him off they immediately. Cut him off. Yeah, 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 yeah. You might be able to find the clip if you want to, yeah. but it's kind of old news now. I feel like. No, it that. is. Yeah. It, it, I think it's just sort of, I mean, there's an, a, it's, it's a really strange time because in my mind, here's this guy, I look at his logo and it's just, it's got this like seventies. It's like, you cannot take this person seriously. He does as have seventies vibes. <laughs> actor in any like dude i feel like these pillows that come like prepackaged with like cocaine stains and like cum, oh, cum stains and shit yeah. <laughs> oh totally but that but that's why it's interesting to me yeah you know, it's like people choose are choosing to not read this moment but like unreading is is probably the greatest disservice you can do to yourself and and it, you're gonna missile out on a lot of shit like like you're talking like I didn't have like I played in music and I like I was like playing in bands and now I'm like oh yeah I guess like my podcast is doing kind of okay and people are like paying doing you know it's yeah it's it's totally strange it's like the world is because I think people are just so people want representation in so bad and and it's really hard to like go towards the outside I think we we're talking about the. Uh, this sort of like neo-rational speculative realist philosophy school, which I went to a school and was like taught by some. Yeah. Let's actually go over your story real quick. Let's do like a TLDR okay. of your, yeah, of your yeah, story. Yeah. Cause you fucked with like uh kind of like philosophy, uh, you know, academia a little bit. And mm -hmm. then you were also in like music scenes and stuff. So give us like the TLDR of uh, like your, your basic narrative. Well, my basic narrative was I was like a guitar retard as Dasha calls me a, a guitar autist. Uh, <laughs> um, so I just played in bands and I had my own business actually like working on, uh, you know, buying and selling stuff and repairing shit. And I, I was in LA. Yeah. And I was like a decorative painter and, you know, I was like doing fine, but you know, the, the whole thing was like, everything just started to feel wrong to me at a certain point like nothing like all the things like that place that outside like a lot of the music i would listen to like rocky erickson or jandek you know i was always looking for that like ever since i was a kid i was always looking for that 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 untouched underrepresent like the thing that lacked representation those were the things that were most interesting to me yeah. the things that were more overlooked and i i found like i just found them to be more interesting at a certain point I felt like all sort of uh, cultural production, you know, obviously Mark Fisher talks about this a lot, had been sort of codified. And it's like, well, where, how do you get outside of that? Because I can't do it in music because I'm sitting in like a tour van, like having to hide like Fang Numina from people in like 2015. And like I'm reading CCRU stuff and Deleuze and like Mark Fisher and, and all these people, like the, the fucking retards in my band were just like, Oh, what is that? Like, I like boobs and beer. And I was just like, don't worry about it. You just don't, don't, don't even think about this stuff. Like, <laughs> so I got progressively more interested in, in theory and 
I'd been interested in it for a little while prior to that. You know, I was into Bataille and, and Baudrillard and people like that when I was 19. So I, I had like a kernel a, a interest in, I guess you would say, 20th century French philosophy in particular. And then it just started expanding to a broader canon of critical philosophy. Uh, and then, you know, I tried to, I was like, well, what if I merged cultural production because the art world does a really really bad job of they 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 co-brand so what they do is they take the sort of like less rigorous contemporary philosophers and they use their name as as sort of like a way to signal like hey we we know what we're talking like a lot of this art speak totally it's just it's first off it's just like bad writing and total <laughs> fucking nonsense but second off they're like name dropping Bernard Stiegler and all these people. Totally. And I think that a lot of philosophy and I'm a big Francois Laruelle fan. He's kind of my number one guy right now. People tuning into this live stream, like in the middle of it are wondering what the fuck is this big white pillow doing on the <laughs> table? It's kind of funny. Yeah, no, it is not bad, but it's kind of, funny. Uh, but, but, but I think the part of the issue is that philosophy does takes itself, especially now especially with like the para academia stuff, it takes itself seriously as something that goes beyond the reaches of like a creative intellectual practice and believes in things like I can be a lapdog for the hard sciences and, and this sort of. Right. You know what it is? I think there's this weird thing where continental philosophy used to be this kind of radical anti-establishment ethos. But then what happened was the internet came along and then you had real radical outsider anti-establishment people. And so then like the people who are invested in a kind of in academic institutionalized critical theory or radical yeah. philosophy yeah. now are in this awkward contradictory position where like if your career is all about institutionalized academic philosophy, even if you're into like radical philosophy, yeah. you basically have to fend off the actual radical outsiders who are like yeah. snipping at your heels. Oh, completely. But you're also, your whole brand is uh, criticizing the establishment also so they're kind of fucked <laughs> basically but but at the same time you know you have sort of like an open embrace of establishment modalities like benjamin bratton is like a total i mean he came from yahoo you, you know he was he worked in he worked in tech isn't he like a russian asset or something i mean <laughs> basically with yeah. the with the strelka institute but yeah but what's like, that all about do you know it's I mean, it's like his architecture. But the thing is, is like the Stroke Institute, I looked into it and it's a lot of this stuff is you're you're engaging in aesthetic project. This is a project of of signaling and aesthetics. And it's right. completely un, like this whole thing about terraform. He's a good example of what you're talking yeah, about. He's That's a, right. Yeah. So and and I troll him a lot and I don't like to troll people because I think it's mean because he presents himself as if he's a kind of like almost like an engineer who wants to kind of like help actually design functional systems. Yeah. But the actual content at the end of the day is art. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah. basically, which is why he ends up doing the majority of his engagements in art museums and right. not, you know, he's not like at these sort of, um, these like hard natural science institutions. And it, so, and I'm not even throwing shade. Like he seems yeah. like a smart dude. I would gladly have a beer with him. I'm sure I would like him, but yeah. I, I think the, 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 the structural position of the particular game he is playing is in a dicey spot at this moment in kind of the history of technology and culture. Yeah. Because, you know, I think he's a very smart guy, but he's kind of playing this game where it's like, he has to posture as this kind of like scientifically sophisticated, serious operator who's proposing 
real plans that like governments should pursue, but it, it's mostly a LARP because yeah. he has like no actual like relevance or uh, power in those yeah, circles. They, they don't even know who he is. And he's really just making ideas and, and products that are really only functioning or circulating in the art world is yeah, all. I'm yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's important to sort of, and a lot of these people, like I wouldn't care if they were more up for forward forthright, but they always do it at the expense of like the continental or epistemology, like Reza Nagaristani, you know what I mean? Like the people like that, like Reza Nagaristani or whoever, and you know, I know I'm talking a lot of shit right now, but I don't really. No, that's what care. podcasts are for. But no, but also, I really by the way, I, I invited Reza on the podcast many times, and uh, he basically has ghosted me. So, I, no he disrespect, no lot. disrespect, Reza, but uh, I understand it's all good, man. But um, <laughs> you know, we're not we're not going to throw shade unnecessarily on people. But like, no, you should say whatever you think. You know. Um. Well, here's the thing: is so. I well, basically, it's like I got disinterested in that whole world because you know I was like a student of some of these people. Like I was, right? You I were did, working with them. You were taking their classes, yeah, right? Yeah, and I yeah. did. I did like a presentation with Ben Bratton and like, right? Uh, and because you were at the New Center, or what the, were you? I, I went to the New Center, which for people listening is the kind of para academic online system of classes yeah you can kind of get credits for it um yeah but, yeah. but it's also very much kind of on the outside right? yeah and it's it's pretty inexpensive and they, I, they did have nick land teaching courses until they canceled nick land and kind of i think it lost a lot of credibility on the real like outside uh you know but well it's yeah so i think at a certain point a lot of that stuff sort of i started losing interest in that too because it, it you know the this this the foundation started crumbling like, well, yeah, once you cancel Nick Land, then you're not actually interestingly para-academic. You're not interestingly outside. You're just basically a weak, non-influential uh, satellite of well, the well, establishment, basically. Well, the thing that I found to be not necessarily that about the canceling of Nick Land and letting him go, because I've heard conflicting stories about it being some other reasons that had nothing to do with that. But, okay. but, but I will say um, that... There, there's this, there's, there is an issue when I think people sort of take their, the, the rigor of what they, they proclaim to be doing too seriously. And, and again, this is why, like, I, I do like Derrida and Laura Wells because there's, this, there's, they're trying to basically pull the, the, the mask off of like a lot of this stuff and be like, this really, none of this is really that serious. And you don't have to take it that seriously. And a lot of it is just animating itself. And because all they're doing is they're explicating phenomena that would happen whether or not they their theories exist. Their theories are basically totally inconsequential to like influencing any of the phenomena that they're somehow discussing. And to me, like, I'm like, you're not being funny. You sound like a nerd. Like, <laughs> you're fucking lame. Like this, like what, then what is this? Right. And, and it's like, I, you know, I don't want to in reduce the entirety of their endeavors to just clout chasing and branding but essentially um, you would reduce it to clout chasing <laughs> and branding <laughs> well that's that's why i'm more interested in like you know republican art fag socialism and and manic pixie dream girls and i'm just i'm more interested in other things you know like things that are like novel and funny and 
Yeah, and this in, and, and right in honest and uh, you know that, that actually like give you something and give other people something. Totally, I think the reason <laughs> the reason we like to make fun of people like Reza and Benjamin Bratton is not out of disrespect or cruelty or anything like that. It's more like a loving kind of like I want people like that who I know are smart and interesting and creative. I want them to actually cut loose. Oh, totally, and, yeah. and maximize their freedom and potential in this new world where on the internet you can actually get really fucking creative and have real effects on people that yeah. are that 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 you in a way lose control of and that aren't even like so to me this is the really kind of post Deleuzian kind of like way to think about and a lot of these people are essentially post Deleuzian in, in the way I think about they, it. It's they like, don't like to admit it. Yeah, like the, what Deleuze really really intuited I think better than most people is that the digital revolution was creating these new opportunities for basically manufacturing novel and creative linguistic systems that would become machines of their own that could take yeah. on lives of yeah. lives of their own, which would not be beholden to this kind of oppressive historical game of like philosophical competitiveness and one up one upsmanship, yeah. but that actually with philosophy, you could create these fundamentally novel machineries that yeah. you participate in with the people around you and that then kind of diffuse out into the world in unpredictable and, and, and interesting and effective ways. Yeah. To me, that's, that, that's like one way to just summarize in a somewhat cartoonish way, the, my mental model of, of kind of post what post Deleuzean philosophy should look like. I think he was really trying to help us see that. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, like these people like Benjamin Bratton and Reza and these kind of, you know, somewhat interesting para-academic types of, of philosophers they're they're they could be doing that but they're still too invested in these institutions in which they're pretty much just peasants like this is this is something and again it's not i'm not like throwing shade it's more like for people out there listening who don't necessarily understand the the levels to uh kind of academic prestige like people like reza they're 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 total peasants in the world of institutionalized philosophy yeah but they're yeah. also not relevant or interesting or successful on the internet particularly because they're not willing to go all in on the internet so it's like they're still beholden to this well, old they're, crappy they're, game they're, they're right? pretty successful in the end. yeah i mean how I, many I people so. do you think have read uh reza's last book intelligence uh, ins well um it's hard to say i think if you could see the data you, it would be pretty depressing. You think so? Yeah, dude. I think the, the, these these kind of semi-academic institutionalized imprints like Urbanomic are vanishingly small in terms of their reach and the numbers that they're doing. And I'm not throwing shade. Again, it's just like that. that's always been I, a fact. I, of, I, thought, of, I thought Jason Mahage's Omnicide was amazing. Yeah. I think he, because he's a comparative lit guy. And he, you know, I saw him actually do a sort of debate with Thomas Monahan, who's like a urbanomic. I know him a little yeah, bit from back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Like neo-rationalist guy. He's a nice guy. Smart guy. Definitely. Yeah, he's smart. I mean, he, he's he got a, you know, an Oxford dictionary grasp on language. It's, which, you know, is a, it's a, it's a game in its own, in its own right. But, you know, Jason is just one of those people who, He's a he's sort of like an influence on me just because he cuts through all the bullshit. He's just like, I'm not a Marxist. I think a lot of this shit is stupid. He was like, he told a really cool story that I really, really liked. And it, it goes to sort of like the Deleuzian like line of flight theory. He was like, I had a teacher who told me, he said, I had a Heidegger's being in time and I had Bataille in the other hand. And he was like, 
And he's like, you can't read both of these right now. And it, it, he tells a story. He's like, well, he's like, why? He's like, because if they met in an elevator, they would kill each other. So you have to pick one. He's like, which one? Pick one. He's like, uh, I pick the tie. He's like, all right, good. And he takes the Heidegger book and he throws in the trash. He's like, you don't need this anymore. And he's like, and from that point on, that was what guided me towards my interest in like the, in the sort of like arcane and the mystical. Interesting. And, and he's like, not that I didn't eventually go back to that uh, and, and read some Heidegger, but it was like, like to me, I was kind of the same way. Like I had no interest in, in phenomenology. It wasn't interesting until I got into later Derrida. And then it made me want to go back and sort of like read, you know, Merlot, Ponty and, and even Husserl, who's so fucking boring. I mean, he took, but he he generally breached like novel philosophical territory. Totally. I think. Even though, but it's it's like it's like a long route to a shortcut with 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 him. Mm. But he but because of that, so much blossomed from that. Even though he's like the most boring fucking person, incredibly boring, but incredibly important insofar as yeah, like basically the founder of phenomenology. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too philosophy talk here because i want to talk about like uh bpd uh, chicks on instagram yeah yeah, bpd chicks on instagram that's always a fun up shoddies i only want to hear it if it's good or or juicy and they said i like i like land and mold bug oh yeah well so we did the mold bug event too and that's how we met that's right and and to me the to me that was a really successful moment because not only did it defang curtis yarvin and like i've never been a big Garvin fan. Like I, I'd read his stuff. I'm like, why do you always side with the bad guys? I never thought he was like a racist or anything like that. And it turns out like he's a really fucking nice guy, you know, and he's just super normal. And now he's like doing the rounds and all these people like think like, oh, it's so cute. They're not like, like he doesn't set off like Google security alarms anymore. It's, yeah, we did that. We did that. And, and it was Basically. done. Yeah. And it was done at this Dutch soldier society that was like falling apart in LA. So like, imagine all this. And then like, I don't know if I could say who the guest who, who was sitting there and there were like art girls there. There were quirked up art girls in the audience. There were like tech bros. It was there surreal. Were venture yeah. capitalists. There was, yeah, it was like surreal. Peter. We try not to name drop around here. Like, but I don't, it doesn't matter. I, I'm it's not going to say yeah. it. I'm not going to name drop, but I will say it, like, the, the sort of fusion of all of these different people was just, it was like completely insane. It's fucking so cool, dude. It was like, <laughs> dude, honestly, honestly, and then the, the pandemic hit. So like yeah. all of society was shut down after that. But basically ever since that event, I, I was so fucking convinced from that, that between me, you, like our little <laughs> click, I, it, it absolutely convinced me that we are sitting on this like powder keg of cultural fu- futures that, and I don't know what I don't know what it is exactly. I don't know where it goes exactly. All I know is it's a fucking powder keg, and it's fucking awesome. And ever since then, I've been just laser focused on how can I build this out bigger and better. And once we're allowed to fucking move around society, make it like blow back up. And that's what yeah. we're gonna do in Austin. <laughs> I, I I mean I hope so, and I I hope people like it. Ben, who know? are you on the fucking phone with, dude? I'm, I'm spreading the word. Oh, you are. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good nice. work. I thought you were te- I thought you were texting with e-girls or something. I mean that too. You're supposed to be working, dude. You're supposed to be manning the machines. <laughs> no, man, I'm, getting, I'm, getting I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, one of my goals, folks, uh, is to is to find Ben, my assistant, uh, an e-girl, 
to 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 shack up with. No, how dare I? Say that? That's sinful to to get married to. Yeah, you know, to shack up the legal, you know, legit way. Uh, not living in sin. I would never uh, support Ben living in sin. But I mean, I've done it myself, so I can't. I can't. I can't throw shade. But uh, yeah. So if you're if you're a hot e girl out there, you want to come to Austin, meet my assistant Ben. <laughs> uh, I'm accepting. I'm accepting applications. Any good? Anything good in the chat? Let us know if there is. Right. So, but basically you kind of got canceled, right? Do you want to tell that story a little bit? Uh, it, Cause you were in the, you were in this world of like para academic kind of new center kind of uh, well, hip, no, hip philosophy no, circles. Yeah, no? but, but nobody in new center did that. Oh, so it wasn't N that. Okay. But you were, you were kind of in like left wing groups and stuff. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not really, it wasn't really a, a cancel situation. It, it's more people limiting the things that you can do. So it's, it's almost like you, you pre limit yourself by being super in one way. Okay. And it, it, so it, it, it almost was like, it's like a limiting thing, which is great. Cause I'm like, fuck these nerds. Like, why would I hang out with these fucking but who, school, who are like, you referring school to? moms? Like, like new center or what? No, no, not new center. No. no. So who were the people? It was then? actually beef. I think it was before new center. You know what? Mo from new center has always been great. Uh, he's, he's a nice guy. I've talked to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, it, it it had nothing to do with new center people. There was never any sort of. They're totally for free anything. Like it's, unless you're Nick Land, ba but yeah, sure. maybe maybe sure, but but not even him. But well, so, well, oh wait, real quick. There's a there's an alternative theory of why they canceled Nick Land. Can you say it or? Uh, well, uh, well, it it would be too disparaging on a personal level you can skip but it it doesn't, okay, no it doesn't have to do with ideology or, okay. or theories or you can skip it up to you no, no pressure if you think it's inappropriate whatever so yeah i don't want to get into like personal cool, then then stuff. go so so you're mixing with what groups now uh well right now it's it's not really a group because i feel like i've just sort of found myself you know, like I started, I started this project. Oh, I'm sorry. Not right this moment. I mean, in this part of the story when you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's basically like a left wing group that said it was accelerationist. And they're like, oh, we're doing a book reading of Mark Fisher. And I'm like, oh, well, I like capitalist realism or whatever. This is in L.A. And this is in L.A. And what I, was it called? I just don't even want to get it. OK, fair enough. Because huh? it, it is just it's too gay. I just oh, really? <laughs> I just like I, I just like don't even. <laughs> It was, was it actually gay, like butt fucking for the future or something? Or was no, it? no, it was like it. Oh, uh, Joel! Shout out to Joel. What's up, Joel? He's our our buddy, other member of Indie Thinkers, uh, who's out in LA. Yeah, well, we I actually met him at this group, and so we so it, it it's just one of these things where like I thought it was one thing, it didn't turn out to be that one thing, and then they accused me of doing something that I did or, or thinking a way that I didn't think. Like, I think they, their invective was like, they called me like a race. I'm like, are you, I'm like a totally not race. I'm not into HBD. I don't like any of that stuff. I don't believe in it. I think it's like, I think it's totally reductive reducing people along these kind of like these lines, I, I don't see any point in it, and it's. And like, you're also part indigenous, Ala yeah, Alaskan. No, I, yeah, right? I am. My my half my family's in American Indian activism, right. so that's like another thing you can't really. I don't look like you're it. pretty pale, though. Yeah, I am. Yeah, you so. look like an Irish Mick, like me. Yeah. yeah. No, I know it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I I just sort of found it to be you know, and eventually after that they like 
people got mad and apologized because they're like, oh, but that's not even what Barrett is. I'm like, have you missed all the like jokes I make that just say like call things like gay and retarded and like, it's like dudes, you canceled me for the wrong thing. Yeah, it was just kind of like and, and I just say that stuff because I grew up saying it and I think it's funny and I just I don't want anybody to tell me what I can't say that I said when I was 12 years old that like my seventh grade teacher didn't even get mad at me for Dude, notice by <laughs> notice by the way that retard is totally mainstream now thanks it to is. gamestop gamestop it, made it this like uh, like yeah. they really they really put based, based yeah. retards yeah it's no longer ableist and i also feel like everyone there's also this um i feel like there's a there's sort of a, a people are accepting this they, they've come to accept this idea that the only people who use the word retard are, are people who are like on the spectrum anyway. <laughs> so it's like, you can't be able to, you can't be ableist if you're autistic and you say, call people retarded. Yeah. My, my friend, Diana Fleischman has the best argument on this point where she's, she, she likes to point out that actually retarded people don't really understand if you're insulting them or what you're really trying to say. So like, if, if you if you're hanging out if you're hanging out with someone who has down syndrome and like you use the word retard the person who has down syndrome isn't gonna mind like they're yeah. really not gonna care you know it's it's a good point isn't it i mean it's, it's basically true no it is they're not they're not even aware of it yeah if you say yeah no it's funny it's it's a t i mean i remember that black eyed peas song like there's like a huge song and they're like let's get retarded in oh here. yeah let's get rich what was year like, was that it was like i don't know like oh, 2002 but I, but somebody posted just like this song, this, like all the lyrics, and it's just like this is retard. The entire song is just is like retard. It was like a number one hit song. Funny how the winds of fashion change. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they changed the lyrics on like Rap Genius. That's hilarious. Really, like they probably changed Ariel Pink's uh, pitch. They changes Pitchfork. You know, it's funny because Pitchfork music panned. <laughs> wow that's incredible well that scene yeah, yeah it's funny because actually ariel pink i remember pitchfork like which is uh, increasingly irrelevant there's no music journalism just doesn't exist anymore uh they gave all of like ariel pink's early albums like two stars they're like what is this shit like when they first came out yeah when they first came out oh, he, wow. they gave and they gave like john mouse's albums like 4.3 and then years later they revised them because you can do that on the internet to be like you know eight or something or they 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 sort of like revised them and there was this whole thing like they're like oh so they're 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 not doubling down on their initial review process they're they're changing the review oh. the scores Okay. um as they go and now i'm like well are they gonna change it back to a three or something wait like so that? you're saying they go back to old records and they change the they, and their, they, changed, they change their rating yeah they did for the, things that came out like decades ago yeah really yeah i didn't even know they did that yeah so so they so that's kind of sleazy it right? Is. because it's like it you, feels sleazy it's if, like, you, if you're a genuine art critic you should stand by your judgments over time, right? Yeah, it should exactly. be it should be set in stone, right? You should not be allowed to go back and change the record of what you thought something was. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I did not know that they did that. I well, corrected. They actually, I guess, okay, a lot less than I thought because yeah, they say like started and then they go down to retarded and then it's like yeah, wow, well, yeah. no, yeah, no, it's they're funny. doing fine. They're doing fine. Yeah, that's kind of funny though. It is funny.
No, it's that's yeah. No. Right. Okay. So you're in this group in LA and with people like Joel. Shout out to Joel. And yeah, uh, soft it. right. You you both basically got canceled more or less. Uh, no, sorry. No. I, I, I you know I don't like saying that because part of me doesn't feel like it exists. It's 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 a limiting. It. it because I know what you mean, dude. I feel like that too. Sometimes people say, talk to me like I. They say that I got canceled. I'm like, I didn't get canceled. I was like, like did I, you? I mean, it, it, I was like, yeah. well. like, if you're chaining yourself to the Twitter headquarters <laughs> yeah. with like a Star of David <laughs> uh, type of thing, as as I do feel like these, as these corporations merge more with the state, you're starting to see something that looks a lot more actually like fascism. Uh, I think it's funny because it's like, like my credit card like providers aren't denying me anything. Right. right? It's just, it, I, I'm such low hanging fruit. It's so to even say that it's like basically a bunch of lame people with bad ideas who would years later come to find out that their ideas are wrong, you know, sort of like summon some like tiny little egregore to say that like i'm no longer welcome in a space it's like great well good fine. you're not welcome in my house anymore motherfuckers yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so to me it just doesn't it doesn't it's really, like okay i'm gonna go on and do cool things i'll let you guys have your shitty little group yeah it's like it, thank you thank you for the blessing like yeah, I, I feel no. like i wasn't canceled i was like given the reward of freedom oh, yeah. <laughs> and like saved from wasting my time on like sinking institutions oh, <laughs> oh no a hundred percent and i, I think and part of the thing that I, I want to impart to people is that like you can actually do this. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm making some money just doing stuff. It's like, I, I have, I mean, I have like all kinds of like weird little things you have a lot of hustles and obviously you're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, but I've adopted some of that too, just because that's kind of like what I've always done. Like I've always just, I no part of me ever wanted to like punch a clock or do anything like that. So I had to find other ways to like, you know, get good with right. creating, be resourceful. And so how long has the Contain podcast been running now? You know, it, well, it was weird because I started it. It started kind of as a music label to release albums and do like physical releases. And then I was just kind of like, then we did some like pop-up events where we talked about some people who I was interested in. And, and was it that got, like two years ago or what? Uh, no, One it was year? like, yeah, it was like a year ago or something like that. And well, the podcast started really not that long. It started probably in March or something like that was when I started actually doing it. Okay. Well, I did two episodes before that, but they were just a throw up. They weren't, it wasn't. And then the pandemic hit, I was like, all right, we're going to have like this new sort of like quasi mystical experience where like things was when the pandemic first hit it, everything felt like, Oh, there's going to be new religions and new metaphysics, which, which <laughs> kind of happened in the form of QAnon. I, I don't think many people had that feeling though. Like you, I, I think you feel, probably did. I, but. I had a feeling that like the sort of like internet cults would, would sort of prop up. See, so norm, got, the, the pandemic hits and normal people just get depressed and feel sad. But my friends, have an immediate intuition that new religions are going to arrive. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's, this, this is, that, <laughs> I was like, Oh, the, there's going to be new eschatologies and new religions. And this is the problem. People don't understand about QAnon is like, they're like any religious group. Like they're not interested. So when people on the left try to critique QAnon and say they're crazy, it's like, they're an eschatology. They don't, they're not looking at material benefits. They really don't care. Right. About they're actually, things. people call them a conspiracy theory, but they're trying to do, they're actually doing something way bigger and more ambitious that addre then, addresses the human soul and the human condition. It's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that people are, have 
they've completely misread them. And this is, well, this is the issue with, with the kind of like liberal sort of materialist minded people. And I think people on the left and is that they're, they're obviously all of their ideas are going to be recaptured by capital or whatever that is. Capital is a capital, obviously a term that existed. It, it, it's existed before capitalism. So I don't want to say that not to get too fucking whatever, but I, I think that when you look at things along those lines and everything is, is sort of reduced to like this, <clears throat> you're just stripping things down to like a really sort of like normie bug ontology. You're not going to, you're fundamentally not going to understand the beauty of something like, and one of the things is I normie went, bug ontology. That's a line. <laughs> no, Drop so, that down, Ben. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I, so I started going to QAnon rallies to sort of cover them, to try to like figure out what was going on. And so I made the QAnon phenomena because at an early point, I was like, what new sort of, and Jason Mahage talked about this too. And I was, and I had a little correspondence with him too. And, and so I, Is he Q-pilled? no, I don't <laughs> think so. Are you Q-pilled? Would you say? Well, no, not in that. I believe Q, I, I don't believe in it, any of it. Okay. I, I mean, but you, some of you, it might you appreciate be real, what but I appreciate yeah. how quirked up it is. And one of the things <laughs> I loved about QAnon is going to these rallies. It was like super multi, it was totally multiracial. Mm. The, like I, and one of the things I was like, you see way more black and native American and Hispanic representation here than go than any DSA meeting by far. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to me, I was like, well, if, 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 if these sort of like, if this sort of like cry to the heavens, if that's, what's going to bring people together, like what's wrong with that? Yeah, that's an interesting take, right? It's like if you really care about anti-racism and 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 fomenting racial harmony and and racial equality, yeah, you might actually need to support and invest in batshit kind of com- conspiracy theory based like community building because yeah, it actually no, does it, bring it people does, together. It brings <laughs> people together, and and the, and the kinds of people you would see brought together, and so you would see like Haitian women crying like literally to the skies. It was like, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. It was really it, like QAnon Amazing. really was, it, 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 it was like a sacrament and people don't understand. Like they see like this quote unquote domestic terrorism thing. It's like, they're not fighting. It's, they're not trying to fight for a material thing. So, so, so whether you think that you disagree with them or not, because a lot of like, I don't think, Comet ping pong and pizza games <laughs> like real yeah. or any of that shit. But I I definitely think that people have misread it. Just like people misread Alex Jones. Like to me, right. Alex Jones is like an artist. Right. And totally. Like I see Trump as an artist. Like I it, I think just like they're not fighting for a material outcome, as you said, they're yeah. also not making they're not trying to make logical arguments that no. can, that convince you logically. Like they're just trying to do something different that kind of bourgeois intellectual types can't really understand. They actually can't understand it. No, they can't. It's, it's not, the thing is, is it's not an alien logic because it's, they're, they're, they're merely just reifying all these kind of like religious, I would say maybe like quasi dualistic, you know, religions of the past. Like there's, there's like, it's like Sufism or something (laughs) in a weird way. And, And I think that, and so I had this really, big interest and a lot of people were like oh you know like 
you're you're giving them way too much credit. I'm like, I don't think so. Why is that giving them too much credit? Like, what what about me comparing it to these sort of, you know, these kind of like cryptic Manachian sort of religions is giving it credit? Because why? Because one of those things is somehow off off roster to you, and this thing isn't. Like, why can't you just read the present? Why can't you just like? Uh, bring all these things into one thing. Right. So you started your podcast about a year ago. It's called Contain. Links links in the show notes. And what? how would you describe it though? Like what, uh, I know it's hard to describe. It's it's very kind of zany. I think in one of your taglines, you describe it as, as surrealism. Could you just speak a little bit about how you see the podcast and like what you're trying to do with it? Well, like I said, because I understand, uh, you know, and I don't know if this is necessarily self-aware, but I, I do understand that like nothing, no information I can give anyone is going to practically help anybody. <laughs> Like, there's nothing you can gain from anything that I say that's going to like help you get a job or help you do anything. But the one thing I will, the one thing that I do try to get at is that if you start to think about things and you start to see things in a different way, even the medium of podcasting, because I think about podcasting not as like a way of of relaying information. Like, so I don't do introductions. I do, I, I make all the, I make most of the music that I use cause I'm a musician and I sort of, I trick it out with like a lot of like weird effects and make it very hazy and just strange. And I get people, one of the things I like to do is I like to get guests to say really bizarre things. Like you're talking about young, like Dasha was actually talking about all this like esoteric shit on the podcast, which is not something that she, you would, necessarily hear from her in particular or you know talking with boom about a daylife army cult and i i had a guy on who did witchcraft for the state department in an effort to sort of like subvert the russian government in bulgaria and wow. ukraine and i've had so to me it's not like i'm not trying to get to any one thing it's it's basically just building out like a cosmology for like me to just explore and for other people to explore because it's, it's like with podcasting, it's like, I don't expect anybody to sit there and drop everything that they're doing while they're working to like, listen to something that I have to say. It's like, how do I just make whatever it is they're doing? How do I put them in like a slightly different headspace and mm. make whatever else they're doing just like a little bit more interesting and a little bit more enjoyable? Based. And maybe they'll think that this thing is that they're doing is good. And maybe they'll think it's it sucks and they would rather be doing something else. But it's it's basically just I guess you would say just breaking that sort of like the 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 ins and outs of whatever it is that you're supposed to do. And putting you in a different place so that you can make, you can alter. It's like a drug. So like, that is awesome. I see podcasting yeah. like taking drugs. Totally. And do you, do, <laughs> I, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you do that. I'm sure doing this, like you've learned little tricks, probably ways to, you know, disarm someone or make them feel a little like a, to, to enable someone to feel like they can start saying some wacky shit. Like, oh. do you, do you use music? <laughs> is that one of your powerful tools? Like, or how, what, what are your, your tricks for like how you do that? Well, I do use music after. So, so when we're doing it, it's all just through zoom. I do it. I do it afterwards. And I do stuff like, like, uh, instead of doing a podcast that week, I'll do like a binaural inner sound tuning fork, popol kind of like jam, 
using these kind of like frequencies that and that will be the whole podcast and that'll be the whole thing and i'll I'll frame it like a podcast episode but but if there's too much going on in the news and there's just too much information i'm like well this will make you you know like so i have this whole formula they're called de cringe dehexing uh (laughs) soundscapes Oh, wow. And so and I I incorporate some of those into the actual podcast and a lot of stuff. And and this is why I'm really into this sort of like new micro rap genre called Hexcore, because it's like purely angelic bit crushed. And I played an illegal show with these kids like two months ago. It was like one of the last things I did in L.A. called Actual Jewel Set. And I played in this backyard and these kids from the high desert and they're like in the blood gang and they're like. They're making again. This is like QAnon shit. It's like purely angelic. Like they're taking. What's it called? Hexcore. It's called Hexcore, and it's and a lot of these kids are just like sixteen-year-old kids from like the hood, and what they're making is like the most bit-crushed, extreme, angelic, hazy. What does bit-crushed mean? It means it's like run through filters. Okay. Through digital filters that create their own sort of like strange artifacts that other people but it can you find a song that sounds I like hear. Re- reptilian club boys are probably the most famous export of this genre okay and so i and so to me like i see like hex core and our toad and i see QAnon, and i see all these things and i'm like what are the things that sort of just that this, this fracture the bug reality that we exist in. Hey, Ben, so if you pause it, if you go to share screen, you just have to do um, brave. You have to share the brave tab specifically, and then it will. Uh, yeah, see the option up there. Yep. Select it, but then see down there, share audio. There you go. And that way people will hear the audio playing. There you go. Just make sure it's actually sharing. To the, to the so this is Hexcore? Yeah. But but it gets a lot more extreme than this. Just let it play in the background for a little bit um, while you're talking. But yeah, so, but some of the things I've gotten people to say, guess, like I got, Ar- like Ariel Pink said a lot of stuff on the show that I'm not going to repeat because he's going through his, I mean, it, it, it made it to variety and people quoted what he said. On Maybe let me listen for a minute because it's hard to, to pay attention to you also. So I just want to grok this real quick. It's okay. I just want a little taste. But there's like these demon sounds. Alright, I'll talk with this part. Oh yeah, it's almost like chant. Like, well, they're really into stuff like the Book of Enoch, and and, really? and it's like Hotep mythology. Wow. Like, they're really into uh, the Kabbalah and shit like that. And uh, all right, you can nix it, dude. That's. That's dope. Like interesting, at least. Very interesting. <laughs> I wonder if we can find some people in Austin who fuck with this music. I would uh, hope so. Uh, so they're very into themes of demons, and so like, what other, what other, what demonology? What, the, the lyrics. What other kind of like lyrical content is it known for? Um. Well, 
it's it's the lyrical content is basically it's you know it's basic rap stuff so it's like obviously like shit like i fucked your hoe this and that mixed but with demonology mixed with like, <laughs> the book know, of enoch yeah book of enoch <laughs> but it's it's usually like samples like like there are all these samples that they go through their songs like blood darkness come on to me Whoa. and it's uh it, and it's very you know they use a lot of like you know star of, you know you know sort of like judaic star of david sort of iconography it's it's so it's very sort of like religious and not in a in a cult in a weird way okay okay uh, and so the, you, going back to the main thread of the story this is the kind of stuff that you're interested in with the podcast and yeah. kind of blending in the these types of weird musical currents with um you know different uh guests and kind of putting them into a an almost like a trance like state where they can engage in like creative uh dream like delirium and yeah in i mean Ar way. like ariel pink said uh, i'll just repeat this he said on my podcast uh he wants trump to fuck him in the butt <laughs> and then we all we all sort of riffed on that and we all were like yeah it'd be great <laughs> it's like and that's but but the thing is is like normal people will listen to that and they just that abhors them right but they don't understand that like this is a game you know it's like uh there was that there's like a french surrealist group they were they were kicked out of the called the great game mm. and, and they were like this group of poets and they would do stuff like ride their bikes and drink turpentine down the street and they they were this they were pretty they were pretty um they were really, really extreme. Ben, go get the turpentine. But uh, so, so go get the turpentine. Uh, we have to up the stakes for the stream. So I guess there is. So there is like a. I do have an interest in surrealism, you know, mm -hmm. and I and, and I think that there is this kind of like haze that I I feel like when when podcasts because like people will just talk about politics or something like, and I don't really talk about that because to me it's like. I'm trying to get you into a place where like you can make your own decisions about that at a different time. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I at least want to make people aware of like the sort of like aesthetics of like strange patriotism or like these sort of like weird things that, that, uh, that you just, I guess you just don't find like I've done whole episodes on like the history of human sacrifice and blood rights and, and so I just try to find interesting shit that I genuinely think is like erotic or beautiful or strange and like not necessarily teach you anything. Just be like, like people just say like, well, what the fuck is this? In other words, art, it's art. Yeah. It's just yeah. art, but I'm not trying, but I have no, like, I have no, I'm not trying to put on this front that I'm like some rigorous intellectual person right it's like you're optimizing for some kind of novel creative emergence to arise yeah. from yeah. the circumstances yeah, it's, that it's you very delusion no it sounds beautiful and yeah. um it's like i've only listened a little bit to some of the episodes just because i'm too fucking busy i don't listen to enough i don't yeah. listen to half the stuff i'd like to it's not no, personal at all yeah, but like no, I, I, I i know you well enough now and i i understand like your your ethos enough that like the way i the way i hear you or the way i kind of put it is there is underneath all of rationality a kind of delirium. This is something oh, Deleuze, Deleuze talks yeah, about exactly. and mostly gets yeah. it from Jung in yeah. large part. Yeah. You know, uh, we like to walk around as if we are these like highly polished, conscientious, you know, agents with these highly worked out philosophies. But actually in the background, always animating our most rational and focused ideas are strange 
personae and demons, if you will, and yeah. angels, if you will. Yeah. Uh, kind of uh, attractions and fantasies and delirium essentially yeah. is at, is, at, is the bedrock of rationality is something I I've taken from Deleuze who, and I think he gets this from, from Jung in a, in a, in, in a lot of ways. And I feel like you're basically trying to kind of penetrate through these like rationalistic um, shells and armors that we wear to try to like actually be able to consciously surf the waves of that delirium or something. Oh like yeah. That. No, because Which I, I like a lot because I think that you can't, I think it's inescapable. And I think, uh, do you really want me to get that? <laughs> no, oh, we don't. Ha we, don't oh, yeah. we don't actually have any turbine. Oh, I don't well, think we have any well, turbine. Well, well, I like I like Deleuze through through uh, Jakob von Oakskill a lot too, in, in the way in which he talks about the sort of framing of things. And you know, one of the things that Deleuze also talks about is he talks about taste and how taste is is basically the regulator of all concepts. So if you can frame, if you can take something that that within whatever context is in is giving you a certain like taste of something, whether it's artistic or creative or aesthetic, or it's like, you know, it's, it's just on mark with whatever is like avant-garde or interesting, then you can somehow actually use that and, and, and regulate actual ideas. Mm. So it's so, so taste is, 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 is a, is a regulator of concepts and ideas. Totally. Right. And that's, and that's something Deleuze talks a lot about as well. And especially if you're interested in kind of cult, the politics of cultural influence and all of that kind yeah. of stuff, you'd much rather have some leverage over taste than leverage over rational ideas because totally. I, the rational yeah. ideas are downstream of, of they're, the taste. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. And every, and almost everything is downstream from the taste. And that's, taste. and that's, and that's why you have art thoughts who listen to your podcast <laughs> where, where, whereas I got a few, I got a few probably, but not many as mostly kind of tech dudes and uh, you know, creators like men, mo mostly men interested in like tech philosophy and kind of more, more nerdy shit like that. But, they but you, your, your work definitely appeals more to like more, a little young, bit more like young artsy, hipster art girls. Yeah. And guys, you know, but it's yeah. definitely a more, it's definitely a more like artsy group of people or whatever. But, right. But at the, and it's part of that is just because, you know, like I, I do all the like art and the visual stuff and the music. So I give it this sort of like, I give it this sort of like aesthetic walkway that, that you can walk into, but then it's like, people talking about like Trump butt fucking them or, something <laughs> like that. or, or it's like talking about uh, or, or like, uh, you know, just everything under the like internet cults to just anything strange it, to even like some philosophy stuff. I mean, I don't get too heavy into that anymore, but I definitely think that like there's um, I definitely think if you can create a pathway to those things, you can take people to places that they never really imagine, which is, I think what makes red scare very potent is because mm. they have, they have ideas that are regulated by these sort of like aesthetic values mm. that people do not, they don't normally associate these two things with, you mm -hmm. know, like they don't. Totally. And I think if you can take those two things, you first, it's really hard to do because First off, I think you get a lot of shit for it because you're you automatically ostracize yourself from all these people who will eventually try to circle back and be your friends later once you do the brave thing that other people are not willing to do. Because I get it, like people have um 
which is kind of why I'm against internet anonymity, because not only do I think it, it makes people really irresponsible, they don't, they don't have to be sort of beholden to the things that they say or do because it has no effect on them. So they can just say anything that they want, uh, mm-hmm. which is different than QAnon because these people are like, they take their masks off <laughs> while yeah. everyone else has a mask on, they're off. So they're like, they're ready to go. They're ready to lose everything. And, and so I, but I do think that you need to sort of put yourself in that space because it's fun. It, it's so much fun. Definitely. And it's also it's also just a huge part of what human life is and should be the the creative. It's basically the creative sphere. Yeah. Like what one of the saddest things about modern civilization and modern kind of mindsets is that because we value so much essentially instrumental rationality, like the scientific rational rationality that lets us do kind of engineering shit that's practical. Yeah. We value that so much that people genuinely kind of forget how to even access that that delirium that is in fact our yeah. our birthright like the the ability to dream the ability to let one's mind wander and to say things that just you're not really sure if they're true you don't really care if they're true you want to say them just because you want to say them yeah it's fun to say them it's weird i want trump to <laughs> butt fuck me it's just a fun thing to, it's a weird thing to say right it's like you can use words in different ways. One way to use words is to try to make sense out of things and to engineer sophisticated systems that function. But there is another way to use words, which is just to play with them. And that's the domain of poetry and art and, yeah. and all that. Right. And it's like, well, we literally forget, like people are literally forgetting that that's a legitimate way to use exactly. words that you yeah. can just string together words in ways that seem interesting to you. And that's all there is to it. <laughs> and, and well, that's why I like Simone Weil. And that's why I like reading later Derrida and, and Laruel is because there's there's so much repetition. You know, with Laruel, it's always like it's the one, the one, the one. And, and with Derrida, the way he takes the same word and he and it's like and so there's this whole, you know, obviously like post Marxism thing and postmodernism is eroding society. But Actually, that's not true at all. What you're seeing is you're seeing people who are very conservative thinkers take uh, logos and ascribe very stationary meanings that are devoid of polysemy. And, and, but they're just rearranging the definition, but keeping it locked in this binary definition. Mm. And to me, that's like very uninteresting and very unpoetic. And there's like nothing... Interesting. It's like so. Like, not only does it rebuke the sort of rational mind, but it also rebukes like the poetic, dreamlike, delirium state that right. that we also should be accessing. So, so it really does put us in a in a bug place. It's it really is a bug, bug. ontology. <laughs> I like that. It's a yeah. I love that. <laughs> I should also say to people in my audience, the girls in my audience, the the nice young women in my audience, I didn't I didn't want to marginalize you. I know I talk with I talk with people in my audience who listen to the show and like the show who are young women. So when I said before that the majority of my audience is is dudes, but definitely some women out there. And I, I didn't want to kind of like, you know, erase erase you. In fact, Ben, actually, I was uh, DMing with this girl uh, today who is a, a nice young woman who reached out to me recently. She's listening to the podcast. And this was several, like m- probably months ago, she reached out to me about wanting uh, to get to, to get married to someone because you know I've been doing this like arranged marriage agency. Oh yeah, and, I want to um, hear about that. We could talk about it if you want, but uh, yeah. basically, this this young girl who reached out to me a while ago, um, she ha- she happens to be in Austin, so we were like chatting again. She like hit me up or whatever, and uh, I was like, oh, you know what? I was like, 
I have a handsome young man who's single, who is, uh, you know, looking for a nice young Christian wife because she's Christian and, uh, wants to get, and he wants to get married. I was like, he's a good looking chap and a good character. And she, and she basically said, Oh, that's very nice of you. But now she's dating someone currently. So unfortunately, yeah. So, so no, I'm serious. One of my goals for the podcast in 2021 is, uh, to get big enough that I have enough like e-girl, uh, energy coming this way. I'm a happily married man. I don't fuck around whatsoever. I'm, I'm a happy, loyal married man, but I can kind of channel e-girl energy to you. If the podcast keeps growing, then I'm going to try to get you married. Not cheap, not cheap dates, not, not cheap fucking. If you're, if you're looking for a cheap fuck, do not come to the other life podcast. I'm not going to let my assistant have any one night stands. If you're interested in getting married to a nice young Christian man like Ben, I, I'm happy to arrange this. I'm happy, or I'm happy to give you a shot. You know, DM me. I'll, I'll arrange a date. And uh, but if you're looking for anything unwholesome, uh, don't don't come my way because I'm I'm not facilitating that. So there you go. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, there you go. So what do you think? We're I think we're coming up on we're in an hour and uh, 15 minutes. Should we talk about some more shit, or you want to? We could go out. Uh, we could go out somewhere and do something else if you want. Uh, what do you What do you, what you thinking? I'm cool. To- to talk about whatever i mean you know i'm i'm pretty much i'm i'm cool with anything cool well i've generally been defaulting to the hour range but i'm not i'm not i'm not having fun i i i I usually just talk for like any good any good questions from the uh, audience or nothing particularly thoughtful this is a result of neo-progressive thinking no don't just read random stuff (laughs) (laughs) no i like it's gotta be either good or juicy, or they got a super chat if they if they want the if they want the clout of of oh, being yeah, on the show. I think uh, what you're talking about with eschatology of like wokeism, like isn't that? Oh yeah, you think that there's a woke eschatology? A woke eschatology? Yeah. No, I, I I don't see it as a real religion because in order in order for it, because people people um say that like woke is a is a religion, and I do think that like they take a certain demographic of people and they treat them as deities, but. There, but it lacks that again, that sort of like heaven angelic quality that that sort of I guess you would say that underpins all kind of like religious, all sort of religious foundation. Yeah, well, I mean, because this. Well, let's put it this way: I think these people again. I don't want to put myself in their place, but there's a certain psychology to where they're they're status signaling. This be this is a, this is a very this is a status game. And so they're 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 reifying these sort of like religious uh, tropes of like getting together and and making putting people on pedestals, you know, proclaiming some to be saints and some to be sinners. But there's but at the end of the day, it's it's all a status signal. Like there is no there's no end point. There's nothing. There's no epoch because Mm. at the end of the day, they're they're all atheists. Right. I mean, I think I think you can make the case because I was in that kind of state of mind only a few years ago. I do think that there is some kind of sensibility in in the super woke folks where they think like if we just keep doing this, somehow there's going to be equality. I do think there's there's a lot of cynicism and kind of like real deep disingenuousness. But on some on some level, there is also a kind of hope or dream or, or faith. There is a kind of faith. But that it's like, a faith in something that doesn't already exist. If you're a universalist and you're a Christian, you already you already see everybody as equal. Everyone is everything is cosmically equal. I think the reason, yeah, I think the uh, reason yeah. it's not an eschatology or the reason it's well, it's satanic. The reason it's satanic, <laughs> it is satanic. and, and yeah. I'll tell you why it's satanic. <laughs> the reason it's satanic is because 
they it has this kind of faith like structure that I was just referring to, like the the super woke people. They don't have any mental model where they can show you how their kind of hysterical raving is going to actually produce equality in the world. Like they they genuinely have no clue how yeah, that's going to work. Yeah. But they are also not willing to say that it's essentially a religious faith, right? Because that's losers. Like only only like losers yeah, are actually Sky religious Man people, right? Real, right? Right? Like, yeah. So that's why that's the reason it's satanic. Is because like you're allowed to have kind of not fully rationally explained beliefs or hopes or yeah. faiths yeah. if you have the humility to put that on God and to say, I don't know how this adds up, but I believe in it. And this is where I stand. And, I, and, I, and I'm and i standing here anyway, even though I can't show it to you rationalistically, I have faith in it. That's okay to do. And that's good and wholesome to do. If you say, this is for the greater glory of God. Yeah. And this is commitment <laughs> and, submi and submission to God. But when you have that kind of faith-like structure where you're like, I don't understand how this hysterical raving is going to produce racial equality in the world, but I just kind of think it is somehow going to. And also, by the way, there is no God and humans have complete power and control to engineer societies however they want. That's where it becomes satanic, basically, because so, yeah. it's like you're basically imputing yourself yeah. God. You're giving yeah. yourself godlike powers. So you don't have a rational, explicable model of what you're doing. You're essentially leveraging faith, but you're also saying the guarantor of that faith is yourself. Well, it's society. very Gnostic in it, a way. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a sort of Gnostic dualist thing where it's like, you have the perfects, which, you know, if you look at like the Cathar Gnostic religion, you know, they were very, you know, persecuted, like many sort of Gnostic Christian faiths were, uh, but you know, they always had this idea that there was like the perfect and who's the perfect in the sort of woke sphere. It's like whoever they ascribe, but then it's like the perfect is almost like can do no wrong. Right. It's like, but the perfect actually, it, it makes it like a more degraded, debased form of Gnosticism because the perfects in, in these religions, they have to abide by an ascetic life while everybody else sort of like engages in, in debasing the world because it's like nothing here is real. It's all smoke and mirrors. Therefore, we can like transgress and fuck people over and do whatever we want. And they've, uh, they've like ascribed this kind of like Brahmin caste system of like high priests but the high priests are like to these people are like a lot of them like smoke crack and shit. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so so it's like it's it's like the most low vibrational form of like neo-gnosticism you can possibly find because and that doesn't even hold up. right right so yeah i mean that's my right any other interesting <laughs> questions <laughs> comments to Barrett, enjoying this combo. Can Barrett interview Adavan Korea on his pod? Love you know who that is? Oh, yeah. I fucking love. Oh, Evan. Yeah. I'm actually Adivan. putting out some of his music. Really? Uh, who is that? What? He's he's a he's a he's my friend. He lives in Seoul, South Korea. He's hilarious. Really? Is he a musician? He's like or a, what? Yeah. He makes like beats and stuff, and he's like an internet artist. Really? And he's done some ghost production for like big K pop huh. people, but he's. He's a really interesting guy. Adavan, I'm at, but Correa. I'm actually Shout out. we're actually doing. I'm trying to release some of his music through through non fungible tokens. Oh yeah, right. We've been talking about that. So I told him I was like, look, I want to do something really weird with what you do because, uh, but I've used oh, yeah. his, I've actually used some of his music. He's given it to me to put in podcast episodes, and he's done. There's a really funny video where he does like a bunch of Zizek samples. And it's just, it, 
Uh, not uh, yeah, out of Van Korea, but good name. Yeah, but you go to his SoundCloud. Go to his SoundCloud. He's a uh, yeah. He's a uh, he. He has a project called Athenian Marketplace. Okay, it's like uh, hip hop beats, but it's like Captain Beefheart made them or something like that. I don't. Huh. I don't know how to describe it. Okay, cool, cool. Any other new questions? All right. Well, folks, if you're watching this right now, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and then click the bell so you get future notifications. As you can see, I've built up this dope little home studio. I even painted the damn walls. Yeah. I'm like getting super legit with this, folks. So please subscribe to the channel. Uh, click the bell so you hear the next time I go live with cool people. There's a lot of fucking badass people floating around me in my orbit in, in Austin. So I'm going to be getting them all in here. And yeah, it's going to be fun. And go check out Barrett's podcast. It's called Contain. You can find links in the show notes and uh, you can also just search for it and you can find him on Instagram and places like that. If you want to hit him up, he's a nice dude. You can, you can say what's up. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Uh, also, of course, you know, subscribe to the other life on, on, you know, the, the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So I think that's, I think, I think we covered a lot of ground. I mean, we live yeah. in the same area now, so we'll be back on here for sure. So we could talk about Gnosticism and all, all kinds of other shit some other time. I think I, uh, I think we should. I kind of want to go out. I've been in the house all day. Oh man! What do you think? I mean, if you got any final thoughts, you're just it, itching to uh, itching to get out on the. Not table. really. No. No. Ben, no. what do you what do you think so far? This is your first time helping me with a kind of in person <laughs> live uh, podcast yeah, in in Austin. You having fun yet? Incredible. All right. Awesome. Uh, someone in the chat is asking, "Based mansion when?" Um, it's happening. Uh, mark my words. I don't know when exactly, but there will be a based mansion Austin without a doubt without a doubt it's going to happen i would say very very likely in 2021 but uh it's hard to plan right now with the with the coronavirus but folks it's looking to me like the coronavirus is going to be over like in the next month or two i mean really? vaccines yeah i mean vaccines seem to be uh, people like to talk about how bad the process is but it's ha it's 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 happening fast enough that i think we could be back into normal social action in like two months, it's it's quite possible if you look at the current rate at which the vaccines are are being uh, handled hand handed out. So yeah, we'll see. The thing with being in Austin is it's super hot in the summer, so you can only really do big events in either like March or April at the latest, and then in like October or November. So I'm not sure we'll make it for March or April, but there will be some kind of badass big event, and we'll invite all the internet thoughts and uh, and and e boys. Uh, you know, girls and guys alike, any of you uh, wild whippersnappers out on the internet, podcasters, SoundCloud rappers, bloggers, yeah, bloggers, sound, bloggers, SoundCloud rappers, yeah, definitely. yeah, all of you will be, we'll, we're going to bring you all out to Austin, Texas, and we're going to do a, an epic, epic event like the one we did in LA. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, like I said, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, check out Barrett's Contained Podcast, <laughs> and we'll be back on here sooner than later. All right. Any parting words from you? No, uh, that's, that's good. <laughs> All right. Other life podcast, bitches. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Love you. Bye-bye. End it. Oh, man. Boom. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, you should send it to a friend. Just email it to them or post it on your social networks, whatever. And to learn more about what we discussed in this podcast or to send me questions to address in future episodes, please just go to otherlife.co and you'll find everything there. There's actually a ton of cool stuff on there, so check it out if you haven't already. Thanks again, folks. I'll see you here next time.